Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Ellison with the Digital Education Podcast. And uh, I love having conversations about education, innovation, and leadership. And in this case, get to have a conversation about educational research and um, potentially maybe some of the innovations that could come out of that, especially from a policy perspective. But today I'm with Dr. Patrick Wolf, uh, who is a, a distinguished professor of education policy and 21st century endowed chair in school choice in the Department of Education Reform at the University of Arkansas. Um, Patrick, thank you so much for being here. You've, you've written a ton. You, you consistently produce a, a, a lot of research, and I've been a beneficiary of, of much of that. But recently, you, you did a report that was um, called the, the Protestant Family Ethic. What do Protestant, Catholic, private, and public schooling have to do with marriage, divorce, and non-marital childbearing? So set us up. Like, how did this question come about or where did this interest come about when most educational research is, is geared towards like learning gains and, and, and especially over the last 20 years is, you know, is, is kind of academic outcomes. How did you get interested or where did the question come in about family, childbearing, you know, and all of these other like personal or, or maybe even civic outcomes too? Well, thank you, Eric. I'm, I'm delighted to be on the podcast and talking about this really interesting uh, research that we've done. It started when Brad Wilcox, who's a sociologist uh, at the University of Virginia and runs the Institute for Family Studies uh, there, he reached out to me because he said, you know, I, I study marriage outcomes and there isn't much discussion about the role of schooling in promoting marriage outcomes. And so he said, I figured I'd check with you because you study school choice, different models of schooling and their outcomes. You know, have you ever looked at the effect of different school sectors or different types of schools on marriage outcomes? And I said, you know, I haven't, and I don't think hardly anyone has. So it was one of these situations where marriage researchers weren't looking at schools and school researchers weren't looking at marriage. So that opened up the opportunity for this great partnership. Uh, my colleague Albert Cheng and I uh, at the University of Arkansas who study school choice and, and, and different schooling models partnered with Brad Wilcox and Wendy Wang at the Institute for Family Studies and uh, got access to, to some survey data and, and did the study. So in, in that study you did, and I mean, I think the title kind of gives it away, you know, the Protestant family ethic, um, you know, of what you found. Uh, but could you like simplify for us, you know, the, the, maybe some of the key findings about what you found in regards to Protestant schools and the connection with kind of families? Sure. So we looked at four different types of schools. So we looked at adults who attended public schools, uh, those who attended secular private schools, those who attended Catholic schools, and those who attended Protestant schools. So those were our four school categories. And then we looked at those three marriage outcomes that you mentioned in the title. Um, are you in an intact marriage, which we defined as um, you're married and it's your first marriage? Uh, have you ever been divorced? So even if you're remarried, you still were classified as having ever been divorced if, you, if, you, uh, if it was your second or, or third marriage. And then um, we were able to actually 
determine if the respondents had had a child out of wedlock because in these surveys they asked them to list all of their children and the birth dates of their children and to list all their marriages and the dates of those marriages. So by comparing the birth dates of their children with the dates of marriage, we were able to classify their children as having been born out of wedlock or not. So those were the, the, the outcomes were the marriage outcomes, the uh, potential explanatory variables were these different types of schooling that they experienced um, in, in, their, in their youth. And these are all adults being surveyed who have had a chance to marry, uh, at least once, perhaps multiple times. What we found, as you suggested, I mean, we found that Protestant schooling is a very strong predictor of positive marriage outcomes. Um, that, that people who had attended private schools were twice as likely to be in an intact marriage than their public school peers. And they were half as likely to have born a child out of wedlock they were 60% less likely to have ever been divorced than, than public school uh, attendees. Catholic schools uh, had a clear positive effect on reducing out of wedlock births. They were about 30% lower for the adults who had attended Catholic schools. Um, and and uh, secular private schools were pretty much right there with uh, Protestant schools in terms of lower rates of divorce. So 60% lower rate of divorce if you'd attended a private school or if you'd, I'm sorry, private secular school or if you'd attended a Protestant school. So that's kind of the total spread of results. But, you know, the people with Protestant schooling in their background had more consistent consistently positive um, marriage outcomes and the differences were larger for people who had been Protestantly schooled compared to uh, students who had Catholic schooling in their uh, adults who had had Catholic schooling in their background. So that's, that's why we settled on the, the, the Protestant family ethic. You know, it's an obvious allusion to, uh, to Max Weber's the Protestant work ethic and his argument that, that, Theological, and theological and cultural elements of Protestantism uh, promoted behaviors that supported the success of capitalism in societies. And we argue that you know, this evidence suggests that theological and behavioral elements of Protestantism are, are promoting uh, better marriage outcomes for individuals and for society. So I, I know there's always limitations to studies and research. Um, and then there's always questions that, that get asked, you know, like, oh, what about, or, oh, I wish we could discover, or, you know, this is saved for another research, you know, project. Um, but what, maybe two kind of questions is, you know, what can be attributed to the school? You know, is it family? Is it church? And then, and then they choose these sorts of schools for their kids. And then, you know, it, it maybe cements or solidifies, you know, a perspective or like you said, the theological or social constructs in their lives. You know, so how much of, of that is the role of the school? And then, and then what are like maybe some of the big questions that you're wondering about that you've taken out of this this study that says, hey, what about, or we should discover, or we're asking these other questions too? Sure, those are great questions, Eric. So first, you know, how much can we attribute this to the religious schools themselves, particularly the Protestant schools? So this is a retrospective study. 
you know, we're, we're surveying adults. Our, our main sample is 5,000 adults ages 18 to 90 in the United States. So, so covering multiple generations from, from the baby boomers, uh, you know, to millennials through millennials. So, um, uh, so we're, we're asking them about their marriage uh, conditions now and about their education in the past and their childhood and things like that. So, so we're not able to um, describe this relationship as necessarily causal, that, that the religious schools caused the better marriage outcomes for Protestants. Uh, but we are able to control for a lot of family background factors and rule those out as causing it, we control for whether the child grew up in an intact family themselves, whether whether you know their their parents were married when they grew up, and of course that's a very strong predictor of of future marriage outcomes for for folks. We we were able to control for the extent to which they were financially insecure growing up. Uh, we were able to control for race. We were able to control for their religion as a child and all of these controls that we introduced into the analysis didn't change the, the basic story. Um, so these differences across types of schools are pretty resistant to the uh, childhood demographics uh, that we were able to use as control variables, but we couldn't control for everything. And it is possible that, that you know, the students the, the parents who send their students, their children to Protestant schools might already have a very strong family ethic and, and really already have the children oriented toward getting married, staying married, uh, being responsible with their sexuality. So we can't rule out family influences as playing a significant role, but it just seems, it seems implausible that that's doing all of the work and it seems highly likely that the schools themselves are having an effect by reinforcing those family values. Because, you know, when a young person gets a message from their parents, it's pretty easy for them to disregard it if they're getting alternative messages, contrasting messages from other adults in their life and from peers. But when, when, when a child goes to a religious school, particularly a Protestant school, they're gonna get a more consistent set of messages from parents, from teachers, and from their peers about you know, what is moral and proper when it comes to sexual behavior and marriage. Um, and I think that that reinforcement really makes a difference and is driving at least some of these findings in study. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And, and I know like part of this too is, you know, in reading the report and going through it, there was some um, even like church attendance, um, you know, and, and then just even knowing people that went to church and then seeing this. Um, and then you've done other research as well on school choice, but then, you know, other opportunities for, for kids in regards to crime and, and, and some of the other civic or, you know, kind of community outcomes that, that schools have. So what are some of the, maybe from this study, from some of the other work that you're doing, what are some of the big questions that you're beginning to ask or that you're having conversations about in regards to school outcomes for students? 
Sure. Uh, so, Eric, I mean, I think one of them, one of the big questions is, um, cons is, is consistency of moral messages, is that really driving um, these, these character traits and behaviors that later result in students avoiding crime, uh, getting married, staying married, avoiding unplanned pregnancies. Because in a, in a study I did with Corey DeAngelis, we, we looked at crime outcomes for students who had participated in the school voucher program in Milwaukee compared to carefully matched peers. Now that was a forward-looking study. So we, we, we followed a cohort from high school into young adulthood. Um, and so we were able to, to use stronger controls on that Similarly, we found a positive effect of private schooling on um, uh, reduction in, in paternity suits, because that's, that's how we were able to measure out of wedlock births, was we had records about paternity suits. And, and there was a significant drop for the, the kids who participated in the private school choice program. So, so, so I think, you know, I would love to, if I could open up the black box and really do uh, uh, a fine-grained analysis, I'd like to see if the, the reinforcement of a consistent moral message, if that's really carrying a lot of the water here, if, if it's more of, of uh, an approach where, well, this is what we believe, this is what other people believe, you're a young person developing your conscience, making moral choices, you know, you can decide what's best, you know, that's more of the approach maybe in secular private schools that we, that we see, uh, we don't see as, as, as large of effects on marriage outcomes there. So, I mean, I, I think the whole, the whole thing about just reinforcing a message, developing what we call a consistent moral ecology surrounding the young person as they grow up, young people are, are fragile in certain ways, <laughs> you know, and there's that sense they might go in one direction, they might go in another direction. And, um, and I think my, my hypothesis is that religious schools, especially religious schools that are unabashedly religious and, and, and preach a moral message about character and behavior, like, like many evangelical Protestant schools do, I think that just has a much more powerful effect on shaping uh, young people's conscience in positive ways. No, that's really helpful. And, and I've never maybe heard that term or never thought of it in the way of the consistent moral ecology, um, you know, of creating that ecosystem that allows for consistency um, as, as, as we go through. I'm, I'm wondering, uh, maybe last question, because a lot of this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll link to the, to the study and it's been fascinating. And then I've seen other articles where people have kind of, you know, simplified it or pulled out different pieces of, of the study, you know, and the things that they found interesting. But if we're looking at, you know, innovation in education, and it seems consistently like we stall out, you know, with opportunities. And, and I've heard you talk about school choice. I've heard you talk about, you know, other research out there. If, you know, and we're going into an election season, um, if you were to encourage people to say, hey, you know what, L look at the, the unique nature of these schools and the unique opportunities out there for students, you know, and families to choose what might be consistent for them, public schools, private schools, religious schools, whatever it might be. 
what might be some of the policy recommendations or some of the things that we would think of innovatively that might provide people more options and opportunities to choose what fits for them? Sure. Terrific question, Eric. I think, first of all, we should be encouraging schools to be value-rich environments. I know there are, there are some public schools in particular that advertise being value-neutral environments so as not to offend anybody. That's impossible. <laughs> you know, being value-neutral itself is a value. <laughs> and you're sending signals, you're sending messages to young people about that, you know, we're not going to take a position on, on value-based things. Well, I don't think that's that helpful to them. So I think one is just, is just putting the onus on all types of schools, particularly high schools, to be value-rich environments. Uh, children are looking for direction. Young people are looking for direction and inspiration. Um, and, and, and they're not going to get that if you're, if you're tiptoeing around the really important issues in their life, like, like drug use, like, uh, like uh, sexual activity, sexual promiscuity, things like that. You know, schools need to take a position on that. I know there are curricula out there. There are religious-based curricula. There are non-religious curricula promoting marriage and 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 sexual responsibility. I think it's very important that that young people be exposed to that in their schools. And I think you know this argues for school choice, uh, especially if you know my hypothesis is correct that the reinforcement of a consistent moral message is what's is what's driving these uh, young people, these young adults to make a series of of highly responsible uh, decisions in their lives that are that's gonna that's gonna lead to greater happiness um, in their lives so so uh, you know schools of choice are voluntary associations there are voluntary communities where it's easier to have a value-rich environment where it's easier to to have commitments shared commitments to a certain set of norms and and beliefs and and i think you know parents know their kids better than anyone else and um to the extent that parents especially parents uh with limited means have the opportunity to choose um, a, a distinctive school for their child, I think we're going to see better outcomes for America's young people. Patrick, uh, this is amazing stuff. And I know we, I, I could probably go on forever, but the you know, goal is you know, to, to just kind of unwrap it a little bit. Let me ask like, um, just a silly question at the end. Is, uh, I saw your tweet today about the Minnesota Vikings. Do, do the Vikings? I mean, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, right? So it's always painful to see the Packers at three and zero. Can the Vikings make the playoffs? Oh, Eric, I, I, I mean, you, you, you see my Twitter photo, right? I mean, I've got the horns on. I've got my Randy Moss jersey. Oh, Eric, I, I don't, I don't feel good about the Vikings this year. I picked up Jimmy Graham. Uh, for my fancy football team, boy, I needed a tight end. So, so, uh, so I'm not averse to to, to going to the Bears. Uh, but we do have a shared enemy in the Green Bay Packers. That's for sure. I always root for the Bears when they're playing the Packers. Um, 
I, you know, the, the Vikings have never made the playoffs after starting 0-3. And mm. I think they start, they're start they starting 0-3 for a reason. They're just, the team is not clicking. The defense, you know, they, 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 they to, did a total rebuild on their, on their defensive backfield. And it's not looking good. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just diced them and sliced them. <laughs> it was, it was hard. It was hard to watch. So, yeah. Um, Thanks, thanks for rubbing the salt in the wound. Uh, appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's it's that's what I love. That's what I love about like our job and our work and our profession and and all that we get to do. There's a seriousness to it, um, and there's a meaningfulness to it. And I truly appreciate the work that you do. But you know, one of the things I've learned about you know just kind of being around you know just being around you in Florida this last January is the enjoyment of life and the things that we get to do. So, Patrick, best of luck uh, on the season. But thank you for your work, your research, and for your time today. Well, thanks, Eric. I'm blessed beyond belief. It, I'm blessed to have friends and and colleagues uh, in the field like you, you know, who are interested in in the work that we do and and can share that information, you know, with other people who can really make a difference in in children's lives because that's what it's all about.